video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch. Hello, my name is Justin Clue, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. You know, I always say this week. It's more last week's Blu-rays and DVDs. <laughs> this is the one-week-old Bay Street Video Podcast. Yeah, that's right. You know, we give you time so cooler yeah, heads prevail. Exactly. Very rare that stuff has sold out, but this week some stuff has. It has. What? Where's this complete... Uh, Umberto Lenzi, Carol Baker, Giallo box set, Mark. I came in two hours after you guys opened. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> we did sell out of that pretty fast. Unfortunately, we were kind of waiting on this one for a while. So this was supposed to be out, what, a, a month or two ago now? This has been a while. Yeah, I think a month ago. Severn stuff is always like wavy, right? Of when it actually comes out. I'd order a little lower than I probably would have because this was back in the time when we were just kind of starting up again. Our revenue stream was kind of low, so we couldn't pay enormous product bills yet. And then it just took forever to get these in. So by the time they came, half of them were already spoken for. And then the other few like went off the shelf right away. But we have more coming in. So why should people be freaking out about this complete Lindsay Baker Giallo collection? I mean, they really shouldn't be freaking out. I'm only freaking <laughs> out because I can't have it. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, Umberto Lindsay <laughs> is one of the like king of Italian horror, even though I don't think he yeah. has that many fans per se. Like he's just kind of there. His films have great posters like Eyeball or uh, great titles like Knife of Ice, which is actually part of this set. And Carol Baker was a washed up Hollywood star that ended up uh, in Italy and I guess just working with some Berto Lenzi a bunch of times. Yeah, I think a lot of people are doing a double take on this. They're like, Carol Baker? Wait, wait the Carol Baker? <laughs> <laughs> the Carol Baker? Are these people like 75 years old? Like, I don't know what Carol Baker heads are out there, but I imagine some people are doing a double take. And like every seven box set, they went all out for this one. Most of these movies, I'm like, I wouldn't buy them by themselves, but uh, they're yeah. in a box set, so I guess I'm going to get them. And it is a beautiful looking box set. Uh, I mean, I turned it around for the five minutes that we Ooh, had it on the shelf. I but, wouldn't know, <laughs> Mark. No, I know. <laughs> Even I wouldn't know. It was out of my hands and in the customer's hands very quickly. <laughs> that rarely happens. I don't think I've ever come to the store the day of and you've been like, ah, it's sold out. Because you're here like, you know, a few hours after opening every Tuesday. You're on it. And yeah, I think this was probably the first time in a long, long time that we were sold out of kind of a few of the new releases you better have those gamma box sets when i come in Mark. i know, I if know. You don't... august 18th august 18th <laughs> i know they're not here yet so back into the cult section we have the tenant released by shout factory we better whisper about this one because we don't want too many people to know that roman polanski's tenant know, a film that people this have is... been <laughs> clamoring for to get a special edition blu-ray release or blu-ray at all has finally been released in north america but yes the tenant is probably one of the a title that has been people have been waiting for a Blu-ray release of for God, decades now. The DVD was just like a bare bones one from Paramount back in the day. It's been out of print for years. Never even looked very good. It was kind of washed out. You know, it was kind of the game of is Criterion going to put this out? Is like a different label going to put this out? Could Criterion touch this one? Could they make a big deal of it? Because they did Repulsion. They did Repulsion. Well, they kind of had, yeah, Polanski stuff on lockdown with Repulsion. They brought, they brought, brought uh, Cul-de-Sac to disc after that was unavailable forever. And then, of course, they did Rosemary's Baby, you know, Knife in the Water, a lot of Polanski stuff. But I'm thinking they, like a lot of distributors in North America, don't really want to touch Polanski's stuff right now, uh, which is definitely understandable. I mean, Polanski's made a couple of new movies in, you know, in the last couple of years that just haven't been released anywhere outside of, like, France, where he is, like, adored, obviously. I remember um, seeing Carnage in theaters. Me too. Me too. I... I remember, yeah, that was like, what, less than a decade ago, and he was still adored by North American critics and audiences. I mean, the guy won, like, a Best Director Oscar, you know, and everybody was, like, giving him a standing ovation, being like, please allow Mr. Polanski to come back to North America. Wasn't there a big deal about the reason that Joker won an award is because it was, like, a compromise because Polanski's film was going to get an award? Yeah, yeah, right? Something like that. At, um, I don't remember what. At Venice, I think it was. At Venice, but they still gave him Polanski an award. His, his film still got some award, right? And I hear it's not even that good. It's just like some generic spy movie or something. So this Shout Factory release uh, is loaded with special features. It's also fairly cheap. 
doesn't come in a slip cover. No. And it's as if they're like quietly being like, we're putting in this out there. Yeah. People who want it can want it. But we're not making a big deal about I know. it. I mean, I get the sense that Show Factory's not as concerned about that type of stuff that <laughs> a lot of the No, I'm serious, right? Like they were the, they took a stab and put out House the Jack built after an unrated cut after that was kind of like Don't floating forget, around. Jeepers for a while. Creepers one and Jeepers, two. Jeepers Creepers one and two. They got a lot of blowback on those, which I think are out of print now, actually. I don't, I don't think, think they expect that blowback i heard them on some interviews and they were like uh yeah i know well that was another and we know how much of, you love jeepers creepers I, I do i'm a big fan of jeepers. and i have that release i i bought that release what about two no i hate two <laughs> two and three <laughs> two and three are garbage i forgot there's a jeepers creepers three there is it was made a couple years ago two or three years ago uh the auteur of, victor salva come back yeah no he i don't know where he got the financing from because it certainly wasn't like oh, a that's big right. studio film it francis was ford probably gave him some money right because they're pals i don't know if i don't think francis ford had anything to do with the third one i know he was obviously first and second one he was all over but yeah the third one is absolute garbage i thought the second one was bad but geez the third one's worse but yeah it was another case where people were totally fine with jeepers creepers and with victor salva when they first came out but you know Obviously, his past caught up with him again, as it should. As it I should. mean, is Shout going to tackle Clown House? I don't know. I mean, I guess the difference between Salva and Polanski is Salva has actually been held accountable somewhat and imprisoned for his crimes. Yeah, he didn't make it out of the country. I don't think we'll ever see a re- release of Clown House, and I'm not sure if we should, since that was the Do movie. you have it on DVD in the store? Because it has been no, released on I know, DVD. I know, okay. We actually don't have a rental copy of that. We do get asked about it from time to time. But I mean, with that, it's like... It's a sticky issue. I mean, that's a film where the actual abuse took place on that set. So, like, does anybody really want to see that anymore? I I don't know. It's kind of like a curiosity now for horror fans. But, like, I personally don't blame companies for not wanting to put out a film like that because I'm sure the families of those victims don't want that film out there anymore. But The Tenant, it's out. The Tenant. The Tenant is out. And it's selling like crazy. Clearly, people have wanted this for a long time. And it's a great movie, man. You know what? I. I like the tenant. I don't know. It's it's actually it's a fun movie, and it's kind of hard to say that because Polanski is also the star of this movie as well as the writer and director. So it's all Polanski all the time in the tenant. Um, but it's funny. It's weird. It's it's not really. I think at first, you know, I thought it was a horror movie when I was younger, but it's more just like a weird, dark domestic. Thriller I mean, if comedy. you don't like Polanski, you'll like the ending of the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Shout went all out for this one. Not only all the special features, they even included the French dub, which is not something they usually do, I feel. But in this case, the French dub is special because I think Polanski dubs his own voice and Isabella Johnny dubs her voice in the French version and her she's not dubbed by herself in the English version. Right, right. Yeah, so... This is honestly, uh, if you're a Polanski fan, if you're just a movie fan, I mean, you're probably all over this release. You've probably been waiting for this release for years and they've done a good job. It definitely holds up and it depends on your feelings on Polanski. If you want to still support a film that he made, you know, it's definitely this. I wonder if he gets any money from this. He must, right? I think he must, right? Because isn't there, is there a feature with Polanski on this? Like a new feature? I thought there was like a new interview with him or something. I think there's a new interview, yeah. So he must get something. So it is a sticky area. And I honestly, I totally understand if people don't want to buy this because you are in some way supporting a man who has, is a pedophile and has never been brought to justice for it. If you just are, are you, if you're able to separate the artist from the art, The Tenant is a really strange, weird, great movie. You know what? He may not get any money because of the way like the laws work in North America and because he is a fugitive from justice. So yeah, maybe you can buy it and not, and feel good about yourself and not support it. Yeah. Tie yourself in knots like me. You bought it. What? You bought it the day it came out. (laughs) I did. I don't think I own any other Polanski movies, even though I really love Repulsion. That's a great one. And Fearless Vampire Killers. Yeah, no, I think I think the only Polanski film I own is the Criterion of Rosemary's Baby. But eh, I can give I, or take Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, no, I, I like Rosemary's Baby. Um, I just I've seen like it like twice, I think. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it a lot now. Um, but no, I love his... I've always been a Polanski fan. I've loved his early stuff. I even love his trashy bad stuff like The Ninth Gate, which, you know... Oh, know Ninth Gate is fun. Ninth Gate is a lot of fun. Starring another horrible person, Johnny Depp, but, you know... Um, but yeah, as a, and I even, you know, I liked his films up Carnage. I liked, um, I don't really remember what he made past that, but Ghost Rider, I'm, man. Sure. 
Ghost Rider, yeah, I liked the Ghost Rider a lot, actually. I thought that was a lot of fun. I mean, I've really enjoyed Polanski's films. And terrible person. Terrible per- really terrible person, though. And, you know, and there was a time when I was younger and stupider where I was like, oh, Give him know, a chance! Give him a chance. He's been away, you know, the victim. She's, like, sort of half forgiven him. So let him bring bring him back. They all did it. It was the 70s, and that is absolutely the wrong way to think. Oh, and to be like it was a think. different time? I know, When right? people say, like, it was a different time, what they should really be saying is like, oh, it was a bad time. It was a and, bad time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I think like, I, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I think a lot of actors and directors operating at that time probably engaged in a lot of the same things Polanski did. Like, are we really going to sit here and say that Jack Nicholson probably didn't do the exact same thing? Why are you roasting poor Jack over the I fires? Mean, I know. He's right? so well, old and near I'm death. Sure, I'm sure he can take it. Jack <laughs> it Nicholson just, is one of know, those guys that it feels like he may have died like five years ago, but like nobody knows. I know, right? He's probably a corpse somewhere. Living his best life. Like those photos of him, like shirtless, eating that big sub on the bus. <laughs> yeah. There was an article that came out that was like Jack Nicholson. I will probably die cold and alone. <laughs> He's probably living his own personal bucket list now. You know, after after the there's movie. an Onion article that says Jack Nicholson drops a bunch of chili on a <laughs> basketball court, and I it literally looks like it's a real article because it's believable. Oh yeah. <laughs> so moving on, we got uh, two other big ones: Thirteen Ghosts. Yeah, I, this feels like a movie you like. Yeah, this is also known as my favorite horror movie from 2001. Um, that was a big year. Did Ghost Ship come out that year as well from the same director? No, that was the that was the year after. That was the year after. Um, 13 Ghosts was a movie that I was insanely excited for at the time because I was a big fan of House on Haunted Hill, the previous Dark Castle remake that, that they did a couple years earlier. Like any teenager in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was obsessed with those like Dark Castle movies and I would see. Wait, 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 wait. We were obsessed with the dark ass. I was excited. I, I, I'm not lying. I was excited when it came out on VHS. I was like there day oh, yeah. one to rent it and check oh, it yeah. out. Well, I went to see Thirteen Ghosts on opening night in theaters. Well, with a friend listen, of mine, I lived in a small and... town that didn't have a movie theater, so no bummer, movies for me. Bummer. No movies for you. <laughs> But I, you know what, I still remember the theatrical experience to this day because um, it was a packed audience. It was all like teenagers and everybody was freaking out. Now, this 13 Ghosts is not really that great of a movie. I'm not going to go lie. Yeah, the ghosts look cool. The ghosts look cool, though. And it's all about those flashy, like, jump edits that, like, are, like, and those sound effects that are continually just trying to, like, make you jump out of your seat. And it works when you're in a theater, you know? It feels so novel now because stuff yeah. isn't really like this anymore. No, it's very much <laughs> a product of the early 2000s, you know? Um, I don't know. I just thought it was a lot of fun at the time. I thought the house was really cool, like the glass house. The glass um, house, yeah. I liked Matthew Lillard. I thought he was really funny. <laughs> I don't know. Supposedly just... he was very method on this movie. Oh, I'm sure he – you can tell. You can tell. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean I think it does a good update of the original. I mean I like the original too. The original is like a fun kind of like spooky fun times movie. And I think this does like a decent remake for like the new millennium. So take that for what, it, what, you, what it's worth. It's like 13 Ghosts. To the extreme. To the extreme. And I love how they put the number 13 in the title, 13 oh, Ghosts, so you know, so, so novel, so novel. But yeah, so now it gets the Shout Factory Collector's Edition. If they're going through treatment. the whole Dark Castle catalog. Wait, that must mean House of Wax is around the corner, right? They haven't announced it yet, but they're doing goddamn ghost They're doing ship, ghost so. ship, which is not as good. Ghost ship no. is from, so the director of this is Steve Beck, I believe. Yeah, um, he was a visual effects supervisor. Yeah, so House on Haunted Hill was William. Malone, who had his own like storied career before, but then yeah, they transitioned to Steve Beck for this and Ghost Ship. Um, I think those were the only two. Ghost Ship is definitely way more inferior. Another film I went to see on opening night, but didn't have the same great experience. Um, and then House of Wax is directed by everyone's favorite vulgar auteur, yeah. Mr. Jungle Cruise. <laughs> yeah. How do you say his name again? Uh, Yom Call It Sarah. So Sarah, I there you go. Yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that. Uh, I really like House of Wax, though. I mean, that's fun. Oh, House of Wax uh, is great. It's great time. It's really more of a remake of um, Tourist Trap, though. It is. It is. Than yeah. uh, House of Wax. Oh, yeah, I would agree. But I think you're probably right. You're, they're going to do a release of that they're, they're doing them in all these like beautiful collector's editions with the slip mm-hmm. covers bunch what of other features. dark horse horror movies are there other than dark that Castle? like yeah i mean they did so what it was dark house horse. on hill for yeah dark horse house on haunted hill uh 13 ghosts ghost ship house of wax and then i think after that 
they transitioned into more original stuff. So they did Gothica with Halle Berry. You remember right. that one? They did Orphan. Matthew Kasovitz. Yeah. Which is another uh, Sarah yeah. joint. Yeah. And then they did. I did that. They did some straight to like VOD stuff. I know they did a House on Haunted Hill sequel, which was really terrible. They did. They did some action stuff. They did Unknown, the um, Le- Liam Neeson movie. They love that director, know. man. That's that the same director. guy for Orphan. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think they're still around. I feel like I've seen their logo here and there on certain I think titles. they recently came back uh, with a movie. Oh, Seance is coming out, which right. is directed by Simon Barrett. Yes, yes. <laughs> they did Suburbicon, the George Clooney movie. Right, yeah. Getaway, the Ethan Hawke movie. Yes. Uh, the bu- Bullet to the Head. Oh, yeah. Horrible the movie. Losers, Ninja Assassin, The Hills Run Red, Splice. They were behind oh, Splice. yeah, they did the American distribution for that. Yeah, I think they transitioned a little more to action in recent years, I guess. Um I don't know. I've always had a soft spot for their early horror stuff, though, and it's nice to see these releases. I mean, even though, like, I the last time I rewatched Thirteen Ghosts, I definitely felt that it didn't hold up as well as it did when I was a teenager. But you know what? I still might just buy this release. It's just like fun. It's fun that this is out now. <laughs> we also have Graveyard Shift, the Stephen King adaptation, a movie that I feel like I saw a lot on TBS. Yes. Even though all I remember is the beginning where the guy's working the late shift yeah. and he's knocking rats with a um, slingshot. Yeah, that's literally all I remember from this movie, too. And I definitely saw it on TV, probably on TBS when I was a kid. Or maybe the sci- maybe um, not. it's not the Sci-Fi Network. Space? Space, in, uh, yeah. It might yeah, have been space. That feels like something they would play. Yeah. And so, yeah. Shout is going through all of Stephen King's catalog because Graveyard Shift is here. Uh, we also have Horror Spider Island, another Severn film. This is a German picture that nobody likes, but it has such an amazing title that it keeps popping up. But hey, we also sold out of it first day. Another Severn the one. First yeah, day? First day. Uh, granted, we didn't have a ton of copies, but people snapped this up. It's, it's yeah, it sounds a... like somebody uh, bought a few too little uh, Severn titles there, Mark. <laughs> I did. I, I went a little too low on my Severn order. I'm sorry. Wait, how I'm do you sorry. calculate like coming. what, how much you will need? Because you can send them back, right? Yeah, exactly. We can send them. those back. Normally, for a title like that, and for for a Severn title like that, I would go anywhere between six and ten, and be pretty confident we would sell that many. Uh, for the Lindsay set, we would have gone higher, like even upwards of like 15 or so because it's like more of a collector's item. It was just because these were ordered when we didn't have a lot of money. I kind of like halved those orders. So, you know, that's why we are where we are. But I don't know. I've never seen Horrors of Spire Island. I mean, it looks like premium trash, but I mean, oh, have you seen this terrible. one? Like, no, it's nothing not even... happens. Yeah. I once told the magazine, I'm going to review this for your magazine. And I was like, oh man, it's so bad. I don't want to review this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but maybe I need to see it remastered to get the clearly, whole impact of it. Clearly. I mean, Severn also put out the animated film where you watch two old people die for 90 minutes when the wind blows. Did you sell out of that too? Uh, No, we still have copies of that. Definitely not (laughs) quite the crowd pleaser, this one. Although they're putting it out under their Severn Kids line when this is Yeah, it's like an ironic like Severn Kids Kids title, right? Um, I've never seen this film, but I just always hear about how devastating it is. And it was currently out before on Blu-ray from Twilight Time, rest in peace. Um, But now they've, yeah, Severn's got the rights, uh, got a bunch of features on it it i put through it on in store the animation does look beautiful in it um check it out check for it out. a fun time you with your kids get depressed yeah <laughs> and uh, speaking of that uh depressing thing slave of the cannibal god is being yes. released by code red kino i guess yeah so code red's distribution is handled by kino now unless it's like a direct release they're just doing themselves but uh yeah we were talking about this jungle holocaust last week and this is kind of along the same lines except this one has doesn't it have ursula andrews and stacy keach in it it does yeah it has oh ursula i hate this andrews. movie this movie's yeah. terrible especially because i love i love the director sergio martino and this movie's real bad i wonder if they poured it over there's an amazing featurette where sergio martino's like we didn't injure any animals we just filmed it happening <laughs> and then they show footage of like the animal that's about to be injured being pulled by a string into position. <laughs> yeah. That's always a good sign. Yeah. But yeah, if you're a cannibal uh, fan, like we've said before, you'll pick this up. Wait, are you guys getting, you getting some weird Scorpion releases? I saw you're getting Yeti, uh, the beast of the 20th century soon. We are, but that's not a Scorpion release, actually. You know who that's from? Our friends at Dark Force are putting Dark that Dark Force out. is putting that out? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we should have that towards the end and of the month. And that's a Toronto shot Yeti film. 
so it is yeah italian produced i think toronto shot and yeah. so continuing on we have mr no legs finally being released by massacre video and it's this week's flying by <laughs> i love how you say finally released by massacre video people have been clamoring for mr no i mean legs. if anybody follows massacre video on facebook and twitter They've been like, I think they announced this two or three years ago, and there were a bunch of delays that, you know, held it up. It's finally out. Mr. No Legs is a film that, if you read like cult film magazines, you've probably heard about it before. It's called The Amazing Mr. No Legs. <laughs> yeah, on the cover, it's called The Amazing Mr. No Legs, but it also went by a bunch of other titles like Gunfighter. Like Gunfighter in the opening credits, which is the most generic title ever, but, you know. It doesn't make that, it actually makes a little more sense when you consider there's very little Mr. No Legs in this I movie. I mean, it's just setting you up to be disappointed. Yeah. Like, the cover, awesome, Mr. No Legs is kicking butt. And then the movie has, I think, four scenes with Mr. No Legs. But I gotta say, those four scenes, five stars. <laughs> He's got shotguns on the side of his wheelchair. He has ninja oh stars. Yeah. At one point, he jumps out of his chair and starts beating people up. And it is an actual man with no legs. Uh, his name was Ted Volras. And he was like a grandmaster in karate. He started like a martial arts uh, nonprofit about teaching people that are handicapable uh, martial arts. Love it. Why is he not the hero of this movie? I don't understand, because you're right. Like, those scenes with him are amazing, especially, like, the martial arts scene when he gets out of the chair, and it's all the slow-mos of him, like, <laughs> basically, like, body-checking all these dudes. Like, I don't... It was such a missed opportunity. You have this guy. He's, like, clearly really talented at, in these action scenes. And he's charismatic when he talks, and too. he's charismatic, like... but then the whole plot basically revolves around just, like a cop who's kind of like avenging his sister who... is it because it seems to jump to a different character like every three scenes yeah it does it does there's like two two cops it kind of focuses on and then the drug lords it, there's an amazing car chase at the end that lasts like 20 minutes oh it goes forever <laughs> wow they definitely blew all their money on this car chase i don't even think the hero is involved like the protagonist is not no, involved not in that car all. chase. That... It's like the villain that you're it's following. Like they kind of like forgot about their main characters for the last 20 minutes and they just had a climax just totally divulged from the rest of the movie. And I really like, I won't spoil it, but like Mr. No Legs's like concluding moments are very disappointing, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, very, uh, after everything we've seen him do, um, very perfunctory. Yeah, anticlimactic <laughs> is like putting it mildly, I will say. <laughs> and this was directed by Rico Browning, who is most well known as a co creator of Flipper. Actually, he's probably most well known for playing the creature of the Black Lagoon in the underwater scenes. <laughs> In the movie, the original movie. Yeah, he's got a strange legacy and then, yeah, went on to create Flipper and a great looking movie, which we've been talking about recently online called Salty about a, a seal, a, a happy looking <laughs> yeah. seal named Salty. So he does not look happy on that poster. Clint Howard is in this film and I really hope Massacre Video puts that out at some point. Uh, this release, finally it's out. I wish it had some special features. It's crazy that it doesn't. Like no contextual stuff or anything. Like It's funny, you look at the back and it's got all these like notes about like where they source the print from and like all these like new source of the print new this new that but then you actually look at put it on and there's yeah not really it's all just about the print there's like no special features at all to speak of on it's this. weird because when they did fiend there was a lot of special features but then when they did their release of the devil there were none and I know that one was really difficult, too. I feel kind of bad. I think I'm going to have to come into Bay Street Video and buy The Devil because, like, that's one of those releases. <laughs> like, it's probably not going to be that good. But that's, like, stuff that if it's not made for me, it's not made for anyone. <laughs> like, a Taiwanese horror movie that, like, someone took the trouble to remaster. And, like, again, like, they sweated over that for years, it feels, before putting it out. Do you still have copies, Mark, at Bay Street Video collecting dust? Yeah, you know, it's it's sad. We have sold zero copies of The Devil so far. You know so what? Far, I'll be so... there and I'll grab one. They're All expensive. Right. I'll put one aside for They're you. Close to, yeah, you don't need to put it aside. If it goes, no, it I goes. It'll, it'll be there, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is sad to see because, like, these films, it's fun to see these films get re-released and it really is worth it really is interesting to see how the lengths to which Massacre went to even, like, acquire something like Mr. No Legs. Like, they literally had, like, we were talking about the fact that they have, like, a novel at the front. When you first put on this disc, they have, like, a novel screen come up, which tells you about 
all the prints they tried to find, the 35 millimeter prints that were all washed out and they couldn't use. So they had to settle on this French 16 millimeter print, which was cut. So they've had to like insert the, yeah, they just like went through so much trouble to put it out. So I really want people to buy this and, you know, the fruits of their label labor don't go like, Oh, and their fruits of their label as well. <laughs> yeah. And their label. <laughs> I mean, it, would I recommend this as a blind buy? I think it is the perfect exploitation film because it's kind of disappointing, but it has enough good stuff in it for you to be like oh yeah i can understand why people you know you'd see a trailer and you go i have to see this movie yeah i will say that long stretches of it i did find myself bored and kind of tuning out (laughs) but when it you know when mr no legs gets on screen and when it like it really gets kicks into action it like it goes there and it is a lot of fun i just wish I just wish there was more of the fun stuff and less of the boring stuff. Yeah. It was shot in Tampa Bay, Florida as well. So it's like sweaty and it feels really like sketchy. <laughs> so it I really like that. feels like, yeah, it really feels like a Florida production. And there is like a really interesting bar fight scene at like near the middle. Oh, it's so good. Someone put, pulls a sword off yeah, the wall. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's kind of like, it, it's like a, it turns into a race war kind of thing. Like, between these like hillbilly white people who are dropping the n-bomb all the time and then the bar owners who are kicking their ass but then there's some like really problematic trans representation in that scene too it's just like the whole scene is like super problematic but in like the way that any like exploitation film really is you know Mm -hmm. so we also have the scare film archives volume one drug stories from agfa Eh. I'm not really into these kind of things. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like Kino's kind of been putting out tons of these with their, you know, their line, their forbidden fruit line. So it's kind of strange to see, you know, Agfa get some of these too. I mean, it's a really nice package if you're into this stuff. They've got some good stuff on it. It's really, it's marketed really nicely. But yeah, I don't know. At a certain point, like, don't you just get burned out on these kind of things? It's fun to watch with like a crowd one of them but i'm not gonna sit at home and watch a bunch so yeah who's collecting like every single one of these a lot of people do like uh stacy case at the trash palace in toronto used to like you know those mental hygiene films that collect them and then yeah i guess it's like mostly for like archivist collector types who just like definitely you know are building up an archive of these kind of things because it is fun to like see them put together and that they're out there now and they're not just like lost to time yeah so agfa is doing the god's work yeah they're doing so i think the mcpherson tape which we talked about a few months ago now is one of their first kind of entries to that. They're really getting some interesting stuff out there. I feel a little bit bad because when Agfa started, I was like, I'm going to buy every one of their releases. And then it's like, oh, we're doing like the scare films or like a documentary on the devil. I'm like, oh, I yeah. don't know about yeah. that. <laughs> That's not really my thing. <laughs> for shame, for shame. I know, I'm sorry. It's How like MVD Rewind who are like, we're I releasing know. two kids films. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, so moving on, we have Old Dracula released by Vinegar Syndrome. This, yeah. have you read the synopsis of this? It's very funny. It goes, David Niven stars in it, and it's a faulty blood transfusion turns Dracula's wife black. Oh. Okay. Well, you know, I didn't even know that. I just saw David Niven's name on the front, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's an interesting choice, but uh, okay. Yeah, I think it goes under multiple titles as well. It's also known as Vampire. Yeah, I think that's what it was commonly known as before. So do you think it treats the, like, race-switching um, respectfully, uh, Mark? Um, probably not. I mean, this was directed <laughs> by the guy who did the George C. Scott Christmas Story, What's New Pussycat, and Babes in Toyland, the Keanu Reeves version. Wow, so some solid credits there. Definitely some solid credits. I don't know, I'm just getting burnt out on these uh, vampire Dracula releases that are coming out. I'm just like, they all... How many Dracula releases have you, know, you watched? No, I just haven't, I haven't seen them, obviously. <laughs> but just seeing them come out... You're too out busy from, yeah. watching some other movies I hope exactly. you watch that are coming have, up on definitely. this list. Come on, I've got homework to do for this podcast. Every week I've got so much homework, I feel like I'm back in school. And we also have uh, Best Friends, uh, another Vinegar Syndrome release. Two young couples taste the free and easy life on a cross-country motorhome tour until love backfires and tragedy follows. That sounds a little sad. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's got like a racy, porny kind of cover from Vinegar Syndrome, but I think it's just like a drama from what I can mm-hmm. tell. I think, it, I think it's a drama as well, even though the cover makes it look like a Last House on the Left type yeah, thing. Yeah, but like that she's, it makes it look like it's a rape revenge movie where she's raped by like 
Native Americans. Native Americans, which looks yeah. Real. But then you read the back and it's like, oh, it doesn't actually seem like it's about that, or I, I don't know. Yeah, listen, they got to get people to buy it somehow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so moving on, we have I Like to Watch Sorority <laughs> Sweethearts from Vinegar Syndrome. These are porn films because they're in a double bill. And we also have Snapdragon being released by MVD. Did you watch this one, I Mark? You better believe I watched this one. Because <laughs> it's an erotic thriller, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. And it is Pamela, chiefly known as Pamela Anderson's first film wow. role, really. I like how you're like, ugh. Ah, enough with these Dracula's. Yeah, jeez, get but out of here. erotic thriller starring Pamela Anderson. 90s yes, erotic please. thrillers, please. So obviously Pamela Anderson was, you know, on Baywatch and Home Improvement and TV and stuff. But then uh, I think this was her first feature film role. Um, this movie is just a shameless Basic Instinct ripoff. That's all I can really say about it. It came out the year after Basic Instinct and was directed by Worth Keeter, who's probably most known as... Uh, a director, I think, part creator of the pow- of Power Rangers. Actually, he mostly worked on Power Rangers. So, and then he made a couple erotic thrillers. Does it have that Power Rangers energy? It definitely does. No, it doesn't at all. Uh, it just has a basic instinct ripoff uh, vibe. How is Miss um, Anderson's performance in the film? Uh, not great, to be honest. She's she's no Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct. I'll say that. Uh, and you know, I like Pamela Anderson. I've always thought she's had a lot of charisma, even in like movies that I don't particularly like, like barbed wire yeah i don't like barbed wire but i like her in barbed wire and i i like her in in other stuff i just uh she is blank as all hell in this she just has nothing to do basically she plays kind of the sharon stone role but she's not even like she doesn't even really have any agency she's not like a a writer like a cool writer type or anything she's just like this girl who she's like a jane doe who ends up in in a hospital because she's been beaten or something but she can't remember why and then she gets she can't really remember and then also there's these crimes going on well where these johns are being murdered by a blonde prostitute who has this like specific way of killing them and everything so obviously it's like oh it's probably pamela anderson and she just can't remember it but she just kind of wanders through this movie in like a blank with a blank stare the entire time uh there is a twist at the end which kind of explains it and i won't spoil but it's kind of an obvious twist too you'll probably see it coming but, like, honestly, this is, like, such a shameless Basic Instinct ripoff right down to, like, the plot details. It rips off, like, whole it, – it changes minor things, but it rips off, like, whole sequences. Even the final climactic shot is, like, right out of Basic Instinct. It's, like, the same. That's so weird. I don't understand that. Is it, like, they think people will be happy to see what they saw in Basic Instinct? Is it because Basic Instinct works so well? That's why they're copying I know, right? it? I just think, like, out of all the Basic Instinct ripoffs that came after, this is, like, the most Basic instincty of the Basic Instinct ripoffs. But it's also just kind of boring, honestly. I'm not sure I would recommend it that much. I mean, Stephen Bauer is kind of the star in this. He plays a... Uh, he plays a, psych- a police psychologist who's literally, his nickname is just Doc. So, you know, that's like the originality we're working with here. And uh, he like totally embarrasses himself in this movie. He has a ton of like really embarrassing sex scenes where he just like, he makes the worst sex face. <laughs> he makes the worst sex faces I've ever seen. And he just like, his character just does all the stupidest things in this movie. Like you thought Michael Douglas, if you thought Michael Douglas did some like stupid things in basic instinct, holy shit, you haven't seen anything till Steven Bowers character in this. So I don't know. It's, you know, it's one of those movies is maybe worth a watch. If like, if you come or stumble across it on like late night TV, but I'm not sure I'd seek out this movie. All right. So we also have Tokyo Gore police lethal edition. So don't get this. It'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. From our friends at Media Blasters. Media Blasters, they're back. They're back, I guess. They're still around. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do we have anything to say about the Japanese gore wave? No, Wasn't very I mean, good. I've never actually seen Tokyo Gore Police. I know this was one of the bigger titles in that wave, though. Uh, but I mean, this has been out on Blu-ray before, so I don't know if this is much different. If you missed it, now's your exactly. chance to pick it up. And uh, Warner Archives is putting the horror thriller collection that includes Innocent Blood, Body Snatchers, Wolfen, and The Hunger. That is definitely four movies. Yes, four (laughs) movies that have definitely been out before. And I'm sure all the fans of these movies have already bought all of these movies individually. But 
if you somehow were waiting on them and didn't get them, it is at a much more affordable <laughs> Hoping price. Hoping that they would finally come together like a Voltron monster. I know. Well, that's the thing. You know, Warner Archive releases aren't really known for their special features that much, so sometimes they can feel a little overpriced. So, you know, this set is great because it combines them all and for a really affordable price and you just get the discs all in one package. I kind of wish they'd just done this from the start, but, you know. And moving on to the classic section, Wonder Woman, the complete series is out. Wonder Woman! I've never seen one second of this TV show. Yeah, me neither. I mean, would you expect anything less, though? Yeah. (laughs) We have Million Dollar Mermaid, which is definitely a Mark favorite. Uh, The story of Annette Kellerman, played by Ether Williams, who was famous for aqua, for uh, swimming-based pictures. Yeah, this was a weird, like, phase that happened in, like, the 50s with these swimming musicals. There was a really nice Esther Williams. Parodied in Hail Caesar. It was, it was. Uh, So I think there were two Esther Williams DVD boxes sets that came out from Warner Brothers back in the day that compiled all these films together. They were really nice. Now Warner Archive's going to release them individually, I guess, so you can spend even more money on Some them. things they release in box sets, other stuff, they just break up. And then we have 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Nope, not that version. It's the 1916 version directed by Stuart Patton. Yeah, this is actually kind of a big deal because they've done like a brand new, there's a brand new 4K restoration of this that was done by Universal, I think think or maybe the library of congress got in on that i don't know this is like one of those big like kino classics like beauty releases so they've been hyping this one up for a little while but i heard people say that it's not that good (laughs) yeah i've never seen i can't we've had a rental of this like an old rental from image entertainment back in the day and i can't say it ever really rents i'm not sure anybody really even talks about it that much um but i don't know i mean It's fun to see like a big kind of like what a blockbuster movie would have been in like the 1910s. So, I mean, for that alone, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. We also have The Shakedown, a William Wyler joint being released by Kino. Yeah, don't. uh, (laughs) It's not Shakedown with uh, Peter Weller. Oh, what a great uh, movie. Sam Elliott. Not the James Glickenhaus joint. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Do you think Glickenhaus remade this Shakedown? I've never seen it, so I don't know. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. I think this is a boxing movie, I want to say, from the 20s. (laughs) Sounds like it. I might be totally wrong on that. Or a dancing movie. Who knows? Who knows? But, you know, people love William Wyler, so who am I to judge? We also have two Michael Winner films. Uh, The first one is Hannibal Brooks, a film that I love. Uh, I once showed it at like a film screening with a bunch of pals and it went over like gangbusters. It stars Oliver Reed, who has to carry an elephant through like World War II. And the real star of this movie, I kid you not, is Michael J. Pollard. He is the star of this picture, yes. And it's great. It's like a rated R movie, too. Like It's not a kid's film, even though the plot sounds like a kid's film. And I like Michael Winner. He was a bad man, but he sure can make entertaining motion pictures. And then there's The System, which I believe is a romantic comedy of some sort that Michael Winner directed, starring Crazy Man himself, Oliver Reed. Yeah, two Oliver Reed joints here. Yeah, The System has kind of been out before under the title The Girl Getters at Austin goes under that, too. It was on VCI, put it out on DVD years ago, and it was actually, we actually have it on Blu-ray from Indicator, too, in one of those expensive all-region sets from a couple years ago. Uh, but this is much more affordable, still comes with a few extras. Comes with a new commentary. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, Michael Winner's By a guy who's actually a fan of the important cinema club. I recognize no his name. Well, there you go. Yeah, Stephen Vag. <laughs> Kino, give me a call. Please. Me and Mark will do commentary. Give both of us calls. Please, Kino, please. <laughs> I mean, we they're not going to pay you. So. I know, I know. But, you know, they'll give us that... That fame that only comes with doing DVD commentaries. <laughs> mm, yeah. I would like some uh, promotional copies. Not going to name any names. <laughs> Vinegar, Vinegar Syndrome. <laughs> for films that I did commentaries for. I know. For. That's insane to me that you don't even get a promotional com- uh, copy of these movies. It's probably one right? of those things. It's like, well, they have to ask. And it's like, should I? You, uh, you fist should. Fist of Fear, Touch of Death. I got seven copies of it in the mail. So. Oh, you actually got some copies? I got seven of them after buying That's two amazing. copies like a sucker. I know, you bought it from us. <laughs> so we also have uh, Raggedy Man being released by Kino. This is directed by Jack Fisk, uh, most famously known as Sissy Spacex Husband. And it stars Sissy, Sissy Spacex. And Eric Roberts, I believe, right? Or uh, maybe. I, I only have her else? name. I know she stars as a divorced mother, mother, mother. 
of two boys who stuck working as a telephone operator in a small Texas town during World War II. No, it's a World War II movie. Yeah, yeah, World War II. <laughs> but yes, Eric Roberts is in this film. No, so I do love Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts heads out there. I know. I, know. Well, I don't love Eric Roberts enough to see everything that he does because. No, this was back in the days when he only made, you know, a couple of movies a year, not like 80 movies a year. Have you ever seen Lorenzo's Oil, which is also being released uh, this week? Never seen this one, but this is a movie that I just always remember in the videos. Like the title is just always so familiar to me for some reason, even though I've never seen it. It's directed by George Miller, the director of Mad Max. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It just kind of seemed like a middle-of-the-road 90s drama, but I don't know. Do people like Lorenzo's Oil? I think so. I think people say it's very well-directed, considering that it's George Miller. I don't know. I've never seen it. Come on, man. There's no cars or explosions or anything like that? Or devils or Draculas? No, thank you. No, there's nothing. No haunted dolls? (laughs) No mirrors? Like, if it was Lorenzo's mirror, you'd be there. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, Nick Nolte's in this one, right? And I do like some Nick Nolte. I'm <laughs> uh, more of a Chris Christopherson man myself. Uh, moving on, we have the <laughs> Fair enough. the river. I uh, know I like Nick Nolte and Chris Christopherson. I wish they had made a buddy comedy together. Where they cops? They, they still should. Grumbly voiced men, <laughs> like grumpy old men, but grumbly. Grumbly, yeah. There's <laughs> lawsuit reasons. We want to avoid that. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, we have the river which is everyone's favorite film directed by mark rydell uh starring mel gibson Spissy, sissy spacek and scott glenn about farming family battles severe storms a bank threatening to re- repossess their farm and other hard times to save their farm huh, okay <laughs> yeah i don't know mel, mel gibson <laughs> yeah what well, scott glenn though i'm a big fan of scott glenn hey scott glenn i do like scott glenn uh i mean i feel like this was a big film in the 80s that just you know nobody really talks about that much i feel like that a lot with mark rydell's filmography though that it was like big at a certain time what are his other films the rose i believe was a big one that uh criterion put out and is like definitely doesn't sell that well based on you know the sales for Criterions usually, but... Uh, I mean, he's no... Uh, who's the director of Commando? That's Mark... Mark Lester. Yeah, he's no Mark yeah, Lester. Yeah, the better Mark. The better Mark. Uh, and Mark Hansen comes in close second. All right, so moving on, we have uh, The Public Eye. Well, at least I'm better than Rydell. <laughs> which is a film that stars Joe Pesci. Back in the time where Joe Pesci could <laughs> yeah. have starring vehicles. Yeah, where he, like, was, was frontlining movies that were, you know comedies i guess like, i don't know what, what is the public eye i feel like this is one of those movies i like the image on the front of him with like the everybody camera saw that like, at the vhs i store. remember that poster all the time but i've never seen this movie i didn't know you know i totally forgot this movie even existed before kino put it out but you know what we sold out of this day one really wow yeah do you think it was because um I don't know why. Oh, you know what's really funny about The Public Eye? Is that it's directed by the same guy, Larger Than Life. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Okay. I mean, I like Larger Than Life. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I remember seeing that in theaters and sitting in the front row because it was sold, for some reason it was sold out at that time. I have the same memory of seeing Larger Than Life and it being sold out. Yeah. I remember being very bored by Larger Than Life, and I actually yeah. thought that Bill Murray starred in Operation Dumbo Drop, but no, that's a complete different <laughs> no. movie involving... Better movie, uh, though. Better movie. Can, wait, who stars in Operation... Isn't it like Dennis that Leary? Danny... Yes, Danny Glover, Dennis Leary, and Ray Liotta, actually. <laughs> and Ray Liotta. <laughs> I and that's Ray better Liotta, than Larger yeah. Than Life. I remember be enjoying Dumbo Drop more than Larger Than Life when I was a kid. But what studio is getting like dueling giant elephant pictures? I out know, the door? right? Well, Dumbo Drop was Disney, I believe, and Larger Than Life was MGM, maybe. I don't know, I don't know whatever mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, I think the public eye Joe Pesci is like solving mysteries or something like he that. He is. Yeah, it's kind of like a comedic drama. I don't know. It was like really, you know, post. Uh, Goodfellas and Home Alone, where they were really trying to be like Joe Pesci. He's like the biggest star you've ever seen. And then <laughs> go Gone Fishing. And then made Gone Fishing, which, you know, is a great film. It's a great film. Did but... he have other starring roles? Yeah. He also made Jimmy Hollywood, which was him and Christian Slater and Harrison I Ford. His, I think his uh, leading man career sort of died with eight heads in a duffel bag. If you remember mm. that movie. <laughs> Wait, what is Wiss Honors? I have never heard of oh, this movie. That's with Brendan Fraser, Patrick and... Dempsey. Uh, yeah, Gore Vidal. What... 
Yeah, that's where Joe Pesci plays a homeless man, I believe, who endears himself to a group of college students, something like that. Uh, he, a homeless man holds his paper hostage. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. I've never heard of that film before. I think maybe part of the, rele- the reason why the public eye is coming out is Joe Pesci is a bit more in the news again after The Irishman. I feel like a lot of people were talking about Joe Pesci. Oh, again how could after I forget The, the Super as well? Was also so, another Joe Pesci. He had a wave of like comedies that he was starring in at that time. My cousin Vinny. My cousin Vinny. Oh, of course. You know, it was the whole one, two, three punch of. Goodfellas, Home Alone, My Cousin Vinny, and it was like, Joe Pesci's the man until he, <laughs> until he wasn't anymore. We also have a Duet for Cannibals being released by Metrograph. This is a Susan Sontag yeah, film. Yeah, so I actually watched this one this week. I've always been kind of, of intrigued. Of course you would, I you did. nerd. This is the kind of hyper-intellectual <laughs> shit that I would throw on. Um, yeah, this is exactly the kind of movie you would expect Susan Sontag to make. Uh, I mean, it's kind of interesting because it's it's in Swedish and she's not Swedish or anything. But uh, apparently a film group in Stockholm wanted her to make a film in Sweden. So they were like, come on over and make whatever you want, I guess. So she made this really – it's really Godardian kind of like um, – political socio-political comedy of manners sort of thing about a um a leftist couple in the 60s like a younger couple and the guy goes to work for this political figure who's like a german exile who lives with his wife who is like she's got some trauma she acts really strange so there's something going on with her and the wife starts seducing the guy and then they start there's all these power games start happening and then the guy's girlfriend starts to get brought into it um super like oblique and esoteric I'm, I'm not sure i'd say this is like an entertaining film necessarily but it's really interesting in that kind of like you know godard if you like godard stuff when he went to when he started getting like really radical in the late 60s early 70s i would say definitely check this out because it's got the same kind of hallmarks of that but from more of an explicitly kind of female point of view which is refreshing um and then, yeah this was the first film she made i think she made three other films after this um, but obviously, she wasn't really most known as a as a filmmaker. She was obviously more of like a writer, an essayist. But uh, but no, it was just really interesting to see what her take on on filmmaking in general is. And uh, Metrograph has finally unearthed this. This has not never been available. I mean, maybe it was on VHS at one point, maybe, but like probably bootleg. But like nobody's ever put this out. There isn't even like a ton of info about it. Unfortunately, there's not like a lot of special features. There is a... Uh, there's a commentary. Yeah, and there's an interview between her and Agnes Varda on it. Like a video yeah, from, from 1969. Uh, but apart from that, there's not much. 69! I know. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> It looks good. You know, it looks good. They've kind of like remastered it as much as they can. It looks pretty decent. So I would say definitely check this out if you're if you're a fan of like esoteric, politically minded cinema. So we also have Wuthering Heights. No, it's not a version you've ever heard of. It's the 1958 Richard Burton version directed by the guy who made Cocoon the Return. <laughs> My favorite Cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have First Snow from MBD. Ooh, what a catalog title. Starring Guy Pierce, directed by Mark Fergus. A psychic's ominous reading sends a man into a tailspin. You know, I kind of like this film. I'm not going to lie. I, I saw it back when it came out, and I just thought it looked kind of interesting, you know, like Guy Pierce. Is this the same guy who produced it is, Crash? Actually, yeah, so it's part of that Yari Film Group um, releasing slate that they got, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a, it's not an amazing film, but it's like a pretty solid, like nifty little thriller where Guy Pierce is just like a kind of sleazy salesman type guy who gets yeah his fortune told to him, and which is basically like you're gonna die. So and then it's like, but then he gets involved in some schemes and stuff. But it has a really good atmosphere to it. That's basically like the plot might not be totally new, but like it's got a strange, interesting atmosphere that always kind of stuck with me. So I don't know if you've never seen this film, maybe, you know, I would say it's definitely worth a we, watch. We uh, also have, speaking of problematic men, uh, Apocalypto. Whoa, yeah. Mel Gibson's. And again... This movie's a lot of fun. I have to say, I really enjoy this film. Yeah, it's, it pains me to say. I don't think I've watched it since it came no, out. No, me neither. I, I saw it in theaters when it came out. had a blast. Uh, as much as you could have a blast with a film with just, like, brutality from, like, Mayan forces. I mean, it's yeah, definitely... Yeah, well, he's having fun with it. It's having it's fun with like... it, which is certainly problematic, especially coming from somebody like Mel Gibson. Um, 
But yeah, it definitely has an undeniable like thrill to it. eh? So basically what happened with this one is Disney put this out initially. I guess they had like a development deal with Mel Gibson or whatever. Um, but then so it was out on Blu-ray before from Disney and everything. But then it, it's been out of print for years because uh, I guess Disney just didn't want to be associated with somebody like Mel Gibson anymore. So now it's been snapped back up by Samuel Goldwyn pictures of all companies and put out again. Uh, there are like no special features on this. So unfortunately, the old Disney Blu-ray had a bunch of special features, but none yeah, of Yeah, the DVD did as well, didn't it? Because it had like commentary with Mel Gibson. and Yeah, I got lucky to get the Blu-ray of the Disney version before. Yeah, I got real lucky there with my Mel Gibson purchase before it went out of print. And it's loaded with features. And yeah, unfortunately, nothing has been ported over because I guess, you know, Disney produced all those features. So they don't have them anymore. And I know I don't like Mel Gibson's obviously not involved with this release at all. But I know Apocalypto is one of those titles that we get asked about all the time or we have been asked about to buy all the time. And it's people are shocked that it was out of print. So and it's been selling well. So, I mean, I hate Mel Gibson, but this is probably the one film of his that I kind of like that he directed that I I don't think I've ever heard you say I've bought a film before on this podcast. And the first time you do, it's Apocalypto. Yeah, it's Apocalypto. (laughs) Wow. What a legacy I'm setting, yeah. The one fi- it's the one Blu-ray I have on my shelf <laughs> yeah. is Apocalypse. It's like a little shrine. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to new stuff, You Should Have Left, which I looked at the cover, I saw some people review it, stars Kevin Bacon, it's a bad horror movie. I was like, ha says it right in the title, You Should Have Left. And then I saw who directed it, and I was like, oh no, David Kep, you need a it's win. It's boy. I have to say, I kind of like this movie. It is not perfect, but you know how last week we were talking about I don't remember in what relation it was, what film it was in relation to, but how films want to be like House of Leaves, but can't be like it. Yeah. Is this like House of Leaves? This actually rips off a major plot point from House of Leaves, um, which I won't spoil because it's kind of a bit of a spoiler, I guess. Uh, But basically it concerns uh, Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried and they're like a high profile couple. She's like a Hollywood actress. He is like some disgraced banker type. Um, He is like several decades her senior and they do play off of that in terms of the age gap but they go on vacation with their kid to this house in scotland i believe it is in the middle of nowhere and this house is kind of haunted but in a strange way that definitely is reminiscent of house of leaves and in one particular case is exactly like house of leaves which if you don't know is a really really creepy weird book that uh mark zed daniel lewski wrote I don't know, a decade, 15 years ago or so, which is really a great book if you haven't read it. But I don't know. So I'm sure David Kep was kind of inspired by this book a little bit, but he kind of does his own thing with it. And Kevin Bacon is really great in this. And it's just got a really creepy vibe. You don't really know where it's going to go. The scares come from like some weird places that you don't expect. And it does get like the wrap up is definitely a little obvious. You can kind of see where it's going, but honestly, I, I had more fun with this than I thought I would, especially for like a VOD Blumhouse. So we movie. also have Gundala, which is an Indonesian superhero movie, which I've seen, and it's one of the most bummer of an experience where you're watching a movie and you're like, oh, this is fun. Don't drop the ball. Don't drop the ball. And then yeah. it drops the ball in the last 20 no. minutes. It's such a bummer. And you're like, you guys, you you have it. You got it. And then like it sets up a sequel. It has a very confusing fat finale that intercuts a bunch of stuff. It just like doesn't work. It feels like they ran out of money like right at the last moment or something like that. So yeah, I mean, it's fun. If you're, if you're, yeah. It's fun enough that I'd recommend it if it interests you. It's like a martial arts film in the vein of The Raid, but it's like a superhero twist. But uh, just expect a wet fart of an ending where, like, the movie spends a lot of time setting up this villain. And then at the end, he shows up. Credits. It's like you cannot spend real estate in your movie setting him up if he's not going to do anything in the movie. Like, save that for an after-credits thing. I hate that. That's such a peeve of mine when they, like, the whole movie's just set up or something like that. And then we also have Samurai Marathon, a Japanese film directed by Bernard Rose, the director of Candyman. Yeah, this is really fascinating to me. I mean, I feel like you probably know more about this film. Not really. Haven't seen it. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, Bernard Rose is a guy I've always really been fascinated by. I mean, he's probably best known for directing Candyman and then, like, Immortal Beloved and a bunch of, like, studio prestige pictures in the 90s before he did like some really weird indie dramas 
in like the 2000s, which are really cool um, with Danny. He Houston. did Frankenstein a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, he did a Frankenstein. He did. And he just does some really weird indie stuff now. And then for some reason, he's directing this like samurai film, this like historical samurai film, which he wrote and directed, apparently. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued, but I haven't really heard much about what people think. of uh, this movie. People have said it's good. It's a samurai marathon. It's like they have to do like tasks and it's like a race of some sort. That sounds like fun. I like that concept. Yeah. Well, definitely Well Go is it's interesting because Well Go is putting this out as you know, you would expect. But uh, they're really selling it on Bernard Rose. They're like written and directed by the, you know, the guy who made Candyman, Bernard Rose, like right on the cover. I'm like, cool. It's interesting to see a company sell something on Bernard Rose. But We also have. Uh, all right. We're going to start going through these because we're already running a little bit long. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't think we've seen any of these. Nah. <laughs> so we'll James versus his future self, a Canadian uh, time travel comedy. Sure. Daniel okay. Stern's in this one, though, and I, I hear it's actually fun, but I, I haven't End seen it. End of Sentence, a film directed by Elfar Adelsteins, which I'm sure uh, Mark can speak to, which is about a newly widowed man who goes to Ireland to scatter his late wife's ashes. But then his son, who was recently released yeah. from prison, uh-oh, dramatic complications ensue. <laughs> yeah, indie drama with John Hawks here. Oh, I love I John know. Hawks, I feel like John so. Hawks is in so many of these kind of movies. Yeah, I love John Hawks. Don't really know much about this one, though. It got some decent reviews. Trying to make up for lost time. Yeah, exactly. Appearing in all these indie films. <laughs> yeah. Uh, What's My Name, Muhammad Ali, another Muhammad Ma- Ali documentary. Is being released by HBO. Yeah, Anton Fuqua directed this one, though. So all you Anton Fuqua fans out there, get on it. The man behind the greatest King Arthur film. Uh, yes, clearly, clearly. We have The Painter and the Thief, which is a documentary about uh, two, an artist who befriends the thief that stole his painting. Did you see this one, Mark? Yeah, I didn't know. This has been a big hit at Sundance earlier this year, and I'm sure it would have played at like hot docs and all like the festivals if things weren't shut down. But it's one of those like crowd pleasing docs that always kind of like I feel like it'll probably be a contender come awards. We also have an accidental studio, a documentary about George Harrison's Yes, the Beatle, his uh, company Handmade Films, which produced a lot of like Monty Python stuff and a bunch of British pictures. Uh, We also have The American Nurse, which is a heartwarming film that explores the biggest issue facing America, aging, war, poverty, prison, through the work and lives of nurses. I'm sure it's very important. Very relevant, especially now of all times. Uh, We also have Deadwater Fell, which is a British TV series, a miniseries that stars David Tennant, not to be confused with Broadchurch. Is it the same character? I don't think so, yeah. I don't think so either. No, Broadchurch was insanely popular for us when that came out. So, you know, David Tennant is very well liked around here, so... So he's got another, you know, British crime miniseries. So if you're like, if you're craving more Broadchurch, then get on this. Grant Chester Series 5. I don't know what this is. Yeah, I don't know why. Because <laughs> we were talking about British TV with Deadwater Fell. This is also a very, very popular British TV series. Uh, that's all about, that's about all mystery? I have to say about Mystery? That, mystery? Romance? Yep. Oh, yeah. Always mystery. It's always got to be mystery with the British stuff. The Outsider Season 1, which is based on the Stephen King book, which I've read, Great first hundred pages. Terrible, I don't know, 700 pages after that. (laughs) And I heard that the way that they adapted it, it's very slow and very solemn. I don't know if you heard the plot synopsis of this, which is um, like there's a Little League coach who is arrested because a boy was killed and sexually assaulted. And they have like the Little League coach like dead to rights. Like it's obviously him. And there's no way for him to get out of it, even though that he was in another city while it was happening. And they also have evidence of that. And what it seems to be like Stephen King is tackling is like, you know, what about like rot in a real world and like somebody that, you know, and he's doing all this stuff kind of like that was making the news around that time, kind of like the Me Too era. Instead, it's not about that. It's about like, oh, there's a monster who imitated him. So really, Uh, we shouldn't jump to conclusions, even though if we have evidence, which is like, oh, I don't think he meant that theme, but that's the theme of the book. (laughs) That's a strange direction, but okay, okay. Um, And it's like a monster, and it also features characters from his Mr. Mercedes series. Oh, man. Uh, The Stephen King universe just broadens. (laughs) 
Yeah, so I some people really liked it, but like I heard it's very slow and even like it stretches out like in that prestige TV way. Yeah, well it's an HBO joint. Does uh so does it only cover like this is season 1, so does it only cover part of the book then? I think or? it's the whole novel. Oh, is it? Interesting cuz they're billing it as season 1, so I guess they're going to make it I think more. it's like The Terror, uh which adapted a novel and then the second season just did something else. So we also have Orange is the New Black Season 7, a show that I watched religiously for its first three seasons, and then I just stopped. Don't know why. Yeah, yeah it's crazy to me that this show's even still on. Apparently, this is the final season, though, yeah. Uh, every time we got a new season, I was like, wow, I thought this show already ended, but uh, It was like Netflix's not. first big fictional hit, so we also have Fisherman's Friend being released by Samuel Goldwyn. It's 10 fishermen from Cornwall form a band. It's based on the true life story of it. This is really for the... Uh, <laughs> this is exactly for our customers here at Bay Street Video. This, like, gets right to the core of what our majority of customers The want. only <laughs> thing missing from this is, like, Judy Dench. I know, I know. You scan the cover like she's she's in there somewhere she's in the back there somewhere <laughs> we also have legacy of lies a very generic looking action movie starring scott adkins yep. makes me sad very right generic now. you like scott adkins though right we've talked at length about yeah him. but not enough that like i'm gonna check out like a boring movie that everyone's like <laughs> yeah. it's fine two out of five stars okay. like we also have The Other Lamb, which is directed by Malgorzata Shmuvaska. It's like another culty, cult horror movie, like a midsummer type thing, I guess. is That's the kind of vibes I'm getting from what I'm reading we about. We also have Porno being released by Fangoria Films. Probably the last film they were released because they have closed shop uh, as of now due, the, due to the Sinistate brouhaha. By brouhaha, I mean Sinistate acting yeah. like terrible people and how could you have seen it coming assholes, considering yeah. that they um, made their main market you know the conservative audience yeah i know right that's always a good road to go down and yeah i heard this uh, film yeah, is fine this film i heard people liked this yeah i mean it's we've sold a few copies it definitely you know it seems to appeal to a certain crowd um i don't know it looks kind of like it just looks like kind of one of those films that is just like too self-aware and it's over the topness to like be totally my kind of jam but i've heard I, it's like weirdly christian and like moral in an odd way yeah <laughs> do you know what the next like unreleased to this day Cinestate movie is it's about a school shooting it's like where they're getting they were getting to uwe bull territory there a little bit <laughs> yeah pretty much i mean they'll probably still keep making movie and sell them to the conservative base but i think they've just kind of like lost their uh i guess genre credentials yeah like the edgy like film bro genre kind of credentials the uh, ones who were yeah. who before could go like is it racist i don't I know. know you can look at it from different angles <laughs> yeah like myself who definitely definitely spent time defending you know brawl and cell block 99 a lot when that came out yeah i love bone tomahawk I, and brawl yeah. and cell block 99 i even like dragged across the concrete me but too, man me that too. last one is like a real dive into like <sighs> yeah yeah you tried defending this one even though it has a climax which is basically mel gibson going oh you're the racist one yeah you the audience right? for thinking i was racist it's like oh come on man i know i know it definitely got harder and harder to defend him as he kept making movies oh i've read his novels craig zoller he is definitely the guy that you think he is yeah, uh, oh, right, I'm sure so he is. Moving on, we have Light from Light being released by Grasshopper, which is, uh, again, our man, Jim Gaffigan, in a serious yep. role. I love Jim Gaffigan, though. Do honestly. you love Jim he, Gaffigan? Well, I love him as a comedian, but like, yeah, he's definitely doing oh, this turn pockets, to dramatic man. performances. Oh, Hot Pockets, you know. Um, but uh, I actually saw this film. It's definitely, um, it's very somber, very like Jim Gaffigan looks like he's going to cry the entire movie because he basically, you know, he's lost his wife and he hires this paranormal, part-time paranormal investigator played by uh, Marin Ireland to come and basically see if his wife's ghost in his, is in his house. Uh, it's not a horror movie by any means. It's very much like a soft indie drama about despair. It's very much like like a ghost story, but kind of like a light version of a ghost story. And actually, David Lowery is an executive producer on this, so I'm sure, you know, there it's got Oi, a lot of the same of vibes. Speaking of and David Lowery. Yeah, speaking friends. of like, yeah, questionable people now, David Lowery. But I, 
I have I really liked a ghost story back you know a couple of years ago when that came out. Um, this one isn't as entertaining or interesting as a ghost story. It's pretty much just like a what you see is what you get like indie drama about grief just with like a bit of an overlay of supernaturalness to it um it's okay it's like well filmed it's like really nicely done but it's like really slight it's like 80 minutes i don't know it's kind of something that like i can't say i'm like disappointed i watched it but i don't think i'm really gonna remember it like a month from now so moving on we have james cameron's story of science fiction (laughs) to cap things off on a good note here (laughs) it's a documentary series of like james cameron interviewing steven spielberg and george lucas (laughs) And like Ridley Scott, yeah. Yeah, sharing um, stuff we already know. How big was Alien? I know. So this was like a series on AMC, James I guess. Cameron, shouldn't you be making the Avatar films? How do you take time to do these documentaries? I thought that's literally all he was doing these days, was just living in Avatar world. But apparently he took some time to... in His eight Avatar films. But uh, I don't know. I have like no interest in seeing this. But I just love the photo on the cover, the, like the promo photo of him just thinking really hard about science fiction. <laughs> James Cameron is such a dweeb. I'm the king of the world. I'm king of the world. That's just what I think about when I think about James Cameron. Even though I love pretty much all of his early early films, at least. Love his movies. True Lies. Problematic. uh, Certainly problematic. Yeah. Very problematic. (laughs) Gaslighting and. uh... But definitely one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. So yeah. (laughs) Yep. It made you the man you are today. It is. Yes. Um, where's that True Lies Blu-ray release? By the way, is that that's uh, James being, Cameron keeps saying it's coming, happen, it's coming, right? never gonna happen. <laughs> that in the abyss, my friend. That uh, the in abyss, the abyss, right? Jesus. It, yeah, I guess if you're a James Cameron fan, you'll watch this. I don't know. Why would no? I don't want to watch talk this. about science fiction. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Like stuff that you probably already know. Well, that's all I got. That's all I got on James Cameron and his science fiction story. And that's all we have for uh, this week's episode of the Base Street Video Podcast. It is. Do you want to recommend something off this list, or do you want to just cap it? <laughs> uh, I will recommend, I'm looking here, uh, I think people should pick up the complete Lindsay Baker Cialo collection. Because <laughs> I sure would like to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would uh, definitely recommend, uh, I'm looking here real fast, what have I actually seen that's on this list? <laughs> Well, I'm going to go ahead and recommend uh, the 13 Ghosts Show Factory Edition because I just can't get enough of that dark castle. (laughs) (laughs) I I already have that one. You know what? Mr. No Legs, throw Masker Video a bone. (laughs) Oh, all right. You're going to give that blind buy recommendation. I like it. I like it. So, yeah, that's it for this week's episode of the Bay Street Video Podcast. Until next week, I'm Justin Glue. And I'm Mark Hanson. Keep on buying. And keep on renting. What you want to watch? These movies and many more are available at your local video store.